In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, why is that? Why can only Jesus make this claim? Now, in the last several episodes, I've been talking about the glory of God, and I've defined the glory of God as the display of his attributes. So God's glory is who he truly is on display. And I've taken a lot of time in previous episodes to to go through some different concepts involving that. So check those out. These these episodes definitely build on one another. So if you haven't um, listened to the, the previous ones on the glory of God, then you definitely need to go back and listen to those first. Um, anyway, the the glory of God is the display of His attributes, and I've been saying that the 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 glory of God is best seen in the gospel. And so we've been using Romans three verses twenty three through twenty six, and I've been kind of walking through some of the concepts in those verses because that lays out the the gospel, and and at the same time you get to see the different attributes of God on display. And so I've talked about uh, what it means to be justified, um, why uh, Jesus Christ is our propitiation. I talked about propitiation last week. And so uh, just in discussing some of those different concepts, we see God's justice, his, his holiness and righteousness, but also his grace and his mercy. And so along those same lines, it says that, G- that God put forward Jesus Christ as our propitiation. And so building on that concept, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the, the main question that I want to answer today is why is Jesus the only uh, proper propitiation? Why is Jesus the only way to, to be restored, to be reconciled to God? And the uh, so so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now I almost forgot again, but the last several episodes I have forgotten to mention my email and different things like that. So you can always email me bearchristianity at gmail dot com, and then I'm on social media. I mostly post stuff on Instagram, and um, it's just you know a lot of times it's funny or uh, interesting clips. Um, and uh, and some stuff you know that we're doing around the house, and so you can follow me on Instagram at the real bear Martin, and that has an under little underscore thing uh, in between each of those words at the real bear Martin, um, and so that's that's really the the main place that I put stuff up. Anyway, so you can you can follow me there now. Back to our episode. Why is Jesus Christ the only proper propitiation? Why is Jesus the only way to God? Um, the the short answer is that because Jesus is the God-man. That is why. And so I'll explain what I mean. In 1 Corinthians 2.8, Paul is saying that that the rulers of this of of that current age they they crucified Jesus and they didn't they didn't really understand who Jesus truly was. And so in 1 Corinthians 2:8 it says none of the rulers of this age understood this for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now the 
the Lord of Glory is a a magnificent title to place on someone, especially if Jesus was just a man. And obviously, as a Christian, I do not believe that Jesus was just a man. I, I believe that the the Bible teaches the doctrine of the Trinity, and I've spent several episodes on this this concept before, so I'm not going back into that. Uh, but that title there, the Lord, the the master, the the Lord of glory, it actually goes back to Psalm 24, and that's very likely what at least one of the references that Paul is using there. So let me give you Psalm 24. Let me find it. I lost it in my notes here. Where are you, Psalm 24? Here we go. Psalm 24, verses 7 through 8, it says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. So it's possible that, that that's the verse that Paul was thinking about as he's writing this, that, that Jesus is the Lord of glory. Uh, James also calls Jesus the Lord of glory. And so uh, this, this title is a, a title, certainly, of deity, and Jesus is the God-man. So Christians hold to the doctrine of the Trinity, and as far as Jesus is concerned, Jesus is fully divine. He is fully God, and Jesus is is God from eternity past. So John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word is, is talking about Jesus here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is eternal. So he he was always with God the Father, but Jesus is also God. And so you have the the word is existed or or has always existed. He's eternal. But in John 1:14, just a few verses down, it says, "And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory." Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so this is a a crucial verse here. Jesus is eternally God, but at a specific moment in time, roughly 2,000 years ago, Jesus became a a man. And so he was born of the Virgin Mary and lived a, a human life here on earth. He was crucified. Three days later, he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he still has this physical body. And so, so Jesus was always God from eternity past. He, he was, he's not created. He is, has eternally existed as God. But at a specific point in time, he became a man, and then he will continue to be a man for eternity future. And so he, he became flesh. He took on flesh. That's huge. So Jesus is the God-man. A few verses down, that was John 1.14. A few more verses down, John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So no one has ever seen God. And you could put like, but the only God, this is talking about Jesus. Some translations say the only son who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so this is what's crucial here. Jesus as the God-man is, is how we know 
God. Uh, in John 17, 3, Jesus is, is praying to God the Father and says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the only way that you can have eternal life is to, is to know God. Uh, to to be right with God, and the only way that happens is if you if you know Jesus Christ as well. So Jesus Christ is the God Man. He he explain he's God, but because he took on flesh, we we can better see who God is, and that's that kind of is is how I'm bringing this around to the glory of God. It, it says we have seen His glory, glory as of the uh, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus shows us the glory of God on on like a a man level. See, we are limited. Um, as men and women, we we are limited in in what we can understand about God. But Jesus, because he became a man, he he fully, um, in in the best way possible, the best way that we can understand it from our human perspective, explains who God is. So you can't just you can't just say, well, God is this mean, angry God of the Old Testament, but Jesus is this loving person who comes, and you can't split them up. What you see, what Jesus shows us in his life and what's recorded for us in the New Testament, that is the the, the character of God. Those are the attributes of God. Jesus shows us the glory of God, uh, but because he took on flesh, we can experience that at, in, in, in a, at a human level, Okay. Now, eventually, Jesus, towards the, in this same prayer in John 17, a few verses later, and I'm, I'm, having a, I'm having trouble keeping track of my Bible verses here. A few verses later, in John 17, Jesus is going to uh, say, let me find it here. Yeah, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus here, the the night before his crucifixion, is, is saying... I I have glorified you God. I have sh- I have shown people your glory. I've glorified you with my life here on this earth. Now, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. And so in heaven we will see Jesus Christ in all of his glory. The the glory that he's he's praying that the Father uh restores to him. See Jesus willingly set aside his heavenly glory. He didn't glow as he walked the streets of, of, of Jerusalem and Galilee. He didn't glow with the, the glory of God. He, be, he, he fully took on man. His, his glory was veiled in flesh. Um, if I could you know borrow from, from Christmas carols and, and church hymns. So so Jesus eventually in heaven we are going to see Jesus for who he truly is in in all his splendor and glory. It's a, a a note I don't want to go down but in Isaiah 6 when Isaiah sees the throne room of God he actually is is seeing Jesus in, in at, at sitting on the throne. And so you can study that Isaiah 6 you can study that passage for yourself but um so so eventually we will see Jesus in in all of his glory. So Jesus is the God man. Now 
when we when we talk about propitiation, I talked about this word last week, but to when God says he when when Romans tells us that God put forward Jesus as our propitiation, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the, his crucifixion on the cross, that satisfied the wrath of God towards sin. So, uh, so Jesus took on our punishment for sin, and that is how we can be forgiven of our sin. So God is completely holy and righteous and just in that sin is punished, but he's also gracious and merciful in that we can be forgiven of sin. And the way that that is all maintained is through Jesus Christ, our propitiation. And so God just doesn't forget about sin. When you sin against God, that sin deserves punishment. The, it deserves the wrath of God. And so Jesus Christ, our Savior, takes on that wrath. And so here's what's so important about why Jesus is the only possible propitiation. Jesus is the God-man. He is fully God and fully man. So first, in regards to our to Jesus being a propitiation for our sin, why is it so important that Jesus is fully God? Well, the Westminster Confession of Faith, larger catechism, uh, I think answers this just succinctly and beautifully. Okay, so let me just read that to you. This is question 38 from the larger catechism of the Westminster Confession of Faith. The question is, why was it requisite that the mediator should be God? The answer, it was requisite that the mediator should be God, that he might sustain and keep the human nature from sinking under the infinite wrath of God. So there's there's more to the answer, but let me stop and talk about that real quick. Um, a, if God's wrath for the sins of all those who would believe on Jesus Christ as as their Savior for, for the forgiveness of their sins, if the punishment for all of those sins were placed on an angel or a man or an animal or whatever, there's no way that that angel, man, animal, whatever, could could pay for the all of those sins because that their their life, the punishment placed on them, they, they don't have enough worth to pay for all of those sins. One sinner cannot pay for the sins of themselves and another sinner. And so because uh, because Jesus is fully God and fully man, the um the because he's divine Jesus the person of Jesus Christ can absorb the full wrath of God towards sin and so that that's what this uh, larger catechism is talking about it says he it's required that or it's requisite that the mediator should be God that he might sustain and keep the human nature from sinking under the infinite wrath of God. So only the God-man could endure the infinite wrath of God and and the human nature not be done away with. Now, uh, it it goes on to say, and the power of death, so only the God-man can defeat the power of death. Because Jesus is the eternal God, then he is he is the giver of life. Life is from him, and so he has power over death. 
Also, the, the larger catechism says to give worth and efficacy to his sufferings. Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, because he is the God-man, he has infinite worth. And so, so he is able to pay for the, the, all of the sins of those who trust in him. Um, it, he's able to intercede. He is, he's able to satisfy God's justice procure his favor, purchase a peculiar people, give his spirit to them, conquer all their enemies, and bring them to everlasting salvation. Those are all points from the uh, larger catechism. So that is why it is so important that Jesus be fully God and fully man. So that's the first part. Uh, This leads me to a point that I want to make. Critics of Christianity, especially atheists, um, they will say that, well, Jesus Christ, he just gave up a weekend to to save you from your sins. You know, he, just, he that was just a long weekend for him. What what's what's the big deal, right? So, and the reason I said a lot of times this comes from atheists is because their worldview they completely reject the the spiritual worldview uh, or any anything spiritual, and so. Um, although to a to human eyes it may look like Jesus just suffered uh, for a few hours on the cross or he you know a, a weekend in the grave, because of what was happening on a spiritual level there, Jesus is is paying for the the sin of all those who trust in Him for the forgiveness of sins, and so that is a there's a, a massive. Um, it's massive what's happening at the cross on a spiritual level. And so Jesus, you can't just think of the physical suffering as the, the, the reason that we have forgiveness of sins. The, the physical suffering is not the, the only aspect. It's not even the, the main point. Uh, Paul Washer makes a great point when he says, you know, Jesus is sweating drops of blood um, the night before he's crucified, yet Throughout Christian history, we have martyrs who are burned at the stake, and while they're being burned, while their flesh is burning, they are singing hymns and and proclaiming the gospel to those around who would hear it. So we have all these people who are who are being burned at the stake or or crucified, just horrendous ways to die, and they are boldly proclaiming. Uh, their their Christian faith, and yet we have Jesus who is sweating drops of blood because he's so worried about being crucified. No, Paul Washer's argument is no. That is not the the reason that Jesus was going through such immense stress during uh, the the few hours before he is betrayed. It, it it's not the the physical suffering of the cross at all. It is that the wrath of God will be poured out on him, and so it is a, it is much deeper than just a few hours on the cross or a, a weekend in the grave. That is a complete misunderstanding of what the Bible is teaching happened at the cross. All right. Now to our second point: Why is it so important that Jesus is f- not only fully God but also fully man? Because in in God's justice, the the blood of bulls and goats would never take away sin because it's man's sin that needs to be paid for, and so uh, the the blood of bulls and goats can't take that away. It's a a symbol pointing to that that it's going to take the death of of innocent in order to pay for the sin of the guilty. Um, but that those those Old Testament sacrifices did not actually take away sin. Hebrews 10 talks about this and how those sacrifices were having to be 
offered year after year after year as a reminder that those sins were not actually taken away. But Jesus Christ is the the better sacrifice, the mo, the the perfect sacrifice. John uh, calls in John one twenty nine. John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus has to be God in order to endure the infinite wrath of God that's placed on him to pay our punishment for sin. But he must be a man in order to identify with mankind. And, and properly pay the punishment for sin. Romans 5 talks about how just as through one man, talking about Adam, sin entered the world, we can be forgiven through one man's sacrifice, that is Jesus. So you are either, I've mentioned this several times, you are either in Adam or you are, if you are saved, you are in Christ. And so you you are your sin has been paid for by Christ. You are are covered by the blood of Christ when when God looks at you in the divine courtroom, he justifies you. He said he declares you legally righteous because your sins have been paid for and and he can declare you legally righteous, positively righteous, not because of your own perfect good works, but because of the perfect works that Jesus Christ performed as a man. And so again, that's that's why it's so important that Jesus is the God-man. As a man, Jesus was born of a virgin and lived a perfect life of obedience to God the Father. And so that perfect obedience is credited or imputed to our account. And so that is where our righteousness is. It is it is a righteous, it's a foreign righteousness. It's the righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ that is given to us. On the cross, Jesus essentially traded places with us. He took the punishment for our sin, and he gave us his perfect righteousness. So when God looks at us in judgment, he doesn't just see someone, he doesn't see a a criminal, a guilty criminal who was forgiven of their sin, but they're just right on the verge of of uh, you know committing one little crime and being sent away forever. No, God actually looks at us as if we are Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. We are given the perfection of Jesus Christ. So when God looks at us in judgment, we are judged with the perfection of Jesus Christ's life on earth. And so that so Jesus being the God-man is just vital. Now, I am only scratching the surface. I'm I'm not even I'm really not even scratching the surface. There are books and books and books written on this topic. And so I'm like, I'm I'm scratching the surface when your mom tells you not to scratch an itch. You know, it's just not even digging in the fingernails. <laughs> this is just the, the very tip of the iceberg. But this concept of Jesus being the God-man is so vital. And so I would encourage you to, to read up more on this and just think about all the of the implications of who Jesus truly is. Now, let me just give you one just one application of why this is so important. When you think about how sin is dealt with, let's compare what I've been talking about, how Jesus is the God-man, and this this all comes out of the doctrine of the Trinity. 
Let's compare that to Jehovah's Witnesses. They believe that Jesus is not eternal, that Jesus is basically the most exalted angel. He is the first and greatest of Jehovah's creation. So so for Christians, for me, Jesus is eternal, and he is the creator of all things, and I believe the Bible clearly teaches that. And now, for Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that Jehovah created Jesus and then Jesus created all other things. And that's a huge difference. There's a massive gap between a created being versus the eternal creator. So for Jehovah's Witnesses, how is their sin paid for? They're saying that Jehovah is taking the sin of you and me and, and mankind, he's taking the sin of one created being and placing it on another created being. So Jehovah it kind of stands back out of the equation, and he's just shifting the, the, the guilt of sin from one created being to another created being. That's extremely different from the what I've just been talking about and how our forgiveness works when you when you have the understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity. Because Jesus is the God man, in a way, God is giving of himself in order to forgive us of our sins. He is he is if we had a, a debt to pay. God is the one who is paying that debt, and, and this is all done through the, the person of Jesus Christ. And so that is, again, I hope you can see the difference there between the Jehovah of Jehovah's Witnesses who has two created beings, and he just puts the sin from one on the other, versus God actually giving of himself in order to, to reconcile us back to himself. He's, he's reconcil- reconciling us through Jesus Christ. And so uh, why does God do this? Ephesians 1 tells us that this is to the praise of his glorious grace. It's to show us his grace and mercy. When people have a, a, a problem um, saying that that everything, all of life, boils down to glorifying the God of the Bible. It's you know one of the reasons is because they don't understand who God is. When you think about a good boss, someone that you that you must obey and submit to. People, people love a boss who gets down in the trenches and works alongside of you. Uh, you know, people will will say about a boss, you know, that that boss never asked me to do something that that they wouldn't do themselves, right? That that type of concept is is when you think about a boss or like in the army, like a, a general or something. That general, he never asked me to do something that he hasn't done himself, and we we love that. We we desire. Um, if we're going to submit to someone or be be led by someone or be ruled by someone, we want it to be someone with those type of character traits. And that is exactly what we see in the way that that God treats us. God is showing us that he gives of himself in order to save us. He, he took on, God became man and lived as a man. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He's, he's identifying with us. 
um, in, in, in Jesus Christ taking on flesh. And so that is the God who we should be praising and glorifying. Um, and so that God is is easy to obey and want to submit to when you have the creator of all things who gives of himself to save a sinner like you and me. And so if if you... Um, if you're struggling with this, this, you know, who is God? Why, why do I even need to be forgiven of my sins? Uh, different things like that. If if you're doubting God, just know that this is the true God. This this is the God who um, who is. This is the God of the Bible who wants you to know about Him. And and here's the way He's given us His Word, and He's He's given of Himself in order to save us. And so, um, hopefully that uh, that concept just is an encouragement to you and helps you better understand uh, some some biblical doctrine and and also just better understand the glory of God. In Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14, this will be our closing passage uh, tonight. So, uh, well, I'm recording tonight. This releases tomorrow morning, and it's, it's July 4th, by the way, tomorrow morning. So happy Independence Day. Um, but anyway, here we go. Hebrews 10, uh, verses 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service. This is the author of Hebrews is talking about the Old Testament priest. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified.